All right, so as I mentioned, uh, my family's in town for the holidays, so excited to have them, and my dad is with us. So uh, my father actually went to a Bible college down in Springfield, Missouri, down in Bible Baptist, or I'm sorry, Baptist Bible. Yeah, get it right. Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. And, uh, and, uh, and they've been in the ministry uh, since then on and off currently uh, as a representative for the Beams uh, Ministry for Bibles uh, that we've had uh, the representative, Brother Alvin Roberts, come out before. So, Dad, if you would come and speak to us this morning. God bless you. Here you go. Wow. Y'all get started in a hurry, don't you? Our target this morning is Ephesians chapter 2. I don't know whether we'll get to it or not. But that's the target. I think you always ought to have a target. But we're going to start this morning in Genesis chapter 1. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the privilege we have of being here this morning and the opportunity to present your word to your people. Father, we need you. We need your presence among us this morning. And so we invite you and we ask that you would find this time to be well-pleasing, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. In Genesis chapter number one, John mentioned that I went to a Baptist Bible college. I had an instructor there that was a military man before he was called to the ministry. And one of his instructors said something that uh, impacted his ministry. And uh, he said the instructor would frequently say, let me point out the obvious. And he said, and it really wasn't obvious until he pointed it out. And this morning I would like to point out some things that are obvious in this scripture that most of us do not pay attention to. In Genesis chapter 1 and beginning in verse 26, the Bible says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Now I'd like to point out a couple of things on those two verses. Number one, in verse 26, he said, let us make men after our likeness. He did not say, and our likeness. He said, after our likeness. And in verse 26, he said, he created man in his own image. In the image of God created him. He used image twice, didn't use likeness at all. Now, in chapter number two, I'm not going to read it, but I'm going to mention it to you so you can read it for yourself later, okay? But in chapter two, that's where he tells man, tells Adam not to eat of the fruit of the tree of good and evil. And I want you to notice in that chapter that Eve was not there when God said that to him. And then in chapter 3 we have the fall of man in which he ate of the forbidden fruit and he died spiritually that day. 
And in chapter number four, beginning in, let's see, let's just see, beginning in verse 17, it says, Cain knew his wife and she conceived and bare Enoch and he built her the city and called the name of the place. I'm not going to read all that, but I want you to notice something. As you read it for yourself later, that it never says anything about, doesn't have two words in it anywhere in Cain's analogy, in uh, genealogy. It never mentions the word he lived or they lived or that he died or they died. In chapter 5, we have the lineage of Adam. And I want you to notice that it mentioned lived twice and died once. that bring anything to your mind? So, trying to think where I want to go next. Uh, well, let's just go to Ephesians. That is in the New Testament. And I want you to We'll start for a minute in chapter 1. And, verse, and, and in chapter 1, it says, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Anytime you read a book in the New Testament, you ought to figure out who it's written to. Some are written to churches, and you can find church doctrine in those letters. And some are written to an individual like Philemon, and some are written to the saints or the faithful, in which it actually includes us, does it not? Personally, not as a group, but individually. It applies to us. And in chapter 2, we're going to read several verses, beginning in verse 1. And you, that's talking about us as well as it is talking about the Ephesians, hath he quickened, and you know what quickened means? Revived. Not vibed, revived. Like you were dead and you were brought back to life. Now again, going back to Genesis chapter 3, we died in Adam, did we not? And if you're saved, you're not going to die again. We've already been dead. So this is talking about what we are now. But I want you to know it did say were dead didn't say ill didn't say seriously ill didn't say we almost died it said we were dead now I've got a question for you if you are dead what can you do hmm? can you do anything no you are absolutely dead without life and without hope. 
That's where we all start when we're born. How do we become born again? It takes an act of God. Period. If he's not involved, you're still dead. We are born of the Spirit of God when we get saved. He's got to be involved in it. He's got to do it for us because we cannot do it for ourselves. And then it describes our life before our birth. It said, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That doesn't sound too cheerful to me. It sounds like it's pretty serious where we were before we were born again. And I do think it's something we ought to remain conscious of throughout our life, is that is what we came from. And where many people, even those that we love, still are. There ought never come a time when we don't care for those that are still lost. But God, verse 4, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us, revived us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Not only did he revive us, but verse 6 says, He hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now that, it's kind of worth thinking about. I have often said I cannot be in two places at once. Obviously, I'm wrong. <laughs> Just speaking of the obvious. We can't be here and there, or can we? That says we can. I'm not going to argue with God. You can if you want to. And by the way, God invites you to argue with him. He don't care. <laughs> he has permitted us to be wrong if we want to be wrong. The problem is we, and when we are wrong, we still got to live with being wrong. And he did it for a reason, verse number seven, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Now there are two verses that come next that we're probably all very familiar with. It says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. 
And I want to pause right there for just a minute because I forgot to say something before. I have taught here before, once. And uh, some of y'all may have a memory that can remember what I presented then. I've got a memory, but I don't remember. <laughs> so I want to caution you. If you want to come up, well, you said that the last time. A man said this about his preaching when somebody told him he preached that message before, and I like it, so I'm going to let you in on it. He said, if I ever had a message that wasn't worth repeating, I wouldn't have preached it the first time. You might remember that when your pastor may preach something <laughs> the second time. It may be worth repeating. But we stop here. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And we kind of emphasize those two verses. But the chapter didn't stop there. It had a verse 10. And verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It's talking about what we can do. And we can do good works. We can. But our good works, the absolute best we can do, are garbage. It's what we let God do through us that makes a difference. And it mentions faith a few times in this whole ch this chapter. And I'm going to give you some McElroy theology. And uh, that's my definition of faith, which is simply this. If you look in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, it tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. And then it kind of goes on down and it starts listing some people that it says were faithful. Now faith is substance. That means something you can examine and it's something, it says it's evidence, which is something you can bring to court to present evidence for the validity of it. But when you look at the list throughout Hebrews chapter 11, they all did the same thing, but they all did something different. Does that make sense? They all did the same thing because they all did what God told them to do. He just told them to do something different. But they did what God told them to do. And that's all he asked us to do. It's just do what he tells us to do. And if you read the Bible, you will find that it tells us to do quite a bit of th stuff. It tells us we ought to read the book. We ought to study the book. We ought to memorize the book. We ought to meditate on the book. And then it tells us some things that really can get on your nerves. <laughs> so if you want to work, you ought to, uh, want to eat, you ought to work. 
says we ought to bring our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Said we ought to teach our children. We ought to care for our children. Says we ought to love our wives even. And it tells the wives they ought to love the husband. And it tells us we ought to love each other. Now, that's not a sensual type of love. That is a caring type of love. We see somebody have a need, and we can meet it. We ought to meet it. It tells us that we ought to tell the lost about how they can get saved. That's being faithful. And when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ as saved, And we will stand there one day. It's going to be in accordance with how obedient we were and faithful to the word on what our blessings are and what our rewards are. It's not on what we do in the flesh. It's what we do with God in us. And they what we let him do through us that counts. I was talking to John the other night and I mentioned in Acts chapter 11 that uh, the Christians were called, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. And when I was in school, in several schools I went to, and I did go to more than one or two or three, uh, and that verse came up. They said, well, the word Christian was used in ridicule and mockery. And it may have been. But I think it was also true. Well, kind of true. Because we define Christian as Christ-like or like Christ. And I don't think that is true. Because Jesus didn't think that's true. You've read Acts chapter 9, haven't you? Because in Acts chapter 9, when, Paul, when uh, Saul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he asked the question, Who art thou, Lord? And do you remember what Jesus said? He said, I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. Paul wasn't, Saul wasn't persecuting Jesus. He was persecuting his disciples, wasn't he? Wasn't that what the deal was? Jesus said, that, I, they're not like me. They are me. If you're born again, you have Jesus inside. And he's got his name on you. kind of makes us ought to be careful about what we think and what we say and what we do because he's watching you watching me too and in that verse that it says they were called Christians first before that was said it mentioned that Saul and Barnabas taught the church at Antioch for a year. 
got a question. I'm not going to, well, no, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'll, just, I'll raise my hand. But I've been saved longer than a year. And I want to challenge you. What can we learn in a year's time that would make a lost person accuse us of being a Christian? Have you ever been accused of being a Christian before by a lost person? I think we all ought to have enough Jesus in us for it to show us. Don't you? What time are we supposed to be done? How long? At 15 after? Okay. No later than 15 after. So. I can? You don't know how tempting that is. The, I think the great neglect we've had is this, that we have forgotten that it is what's on the inside that counts. It's not what is visible that makes a difference in anyone's life. God is spirit. And in Galatians, Paul, in chapter 5, he describes the sins of the flesh, does he not? You know, he talks about the... And he mentions 18 sins of the flesh particularly. And then he says something like in certain other things, you know, several other things. But then he also lists right after that the fruit of the Spirit, which was nine things. So it's twice as easy to do something wrong if you're not focusing on what is right. And obviously the fruit of the Spirit is where we ought to focus, is it not? as Christians. And if you're focusing on those nine things for a year, I think you ought to resemble Christ by the time you get through. Might want to memorize that and then each day focus on one of them or two of them, or maybe you even get three or four in, in the same day <clears throat> through your walk with God throughout the week. Could I encourage you to do that? I'll do it if you will. 
but it's going to take some focus, won't it? It may start in the morning when you wake up. There's a family I know that they were brought up with the Bible before breakfast. Before they, when they got out of bed, got dressed, they got their Bibles and went to the table and read the bread of life before they ate breakfast. Would that work for you? May not. Might give it a try. How well is what we're doing working? I think it depends on how much of Jesus is in us now. We've got all we need, but we may not have all we could have. By staying in the book and living in the Spirit. Father, we do thank you again for the privilege we have of being in your house and with your people this morning. We do ask that you bless your word to our hearts and lives, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.